I mean, you look like a cancer patient. <laughs> Episode 42 of the Anchor Me Farm podcast. This is Brian. I'm Kara. And this week's a little different because we have our friend Ron Grossberg with us for an interview. And when we started recording, we just started hanging out. We haven't so, talked to him in a long time. So, so I'll, that. I'll try to splice it together so you get the pertinent bits so you don't just hear us catching up. Uh, but some of that is is good for the podcast, too, so we'll keep saying Yeah, he's fun to talk to. He's fun to listen to, so it's all good. Yeah, and, and we didn't introduce him properly very well, so his name is Ron Grossberg. He's the owner of Palmetto Legal Gophers in my hometown of Columbia, South Carolina. It's a process-serving company, and he's also on the board of directors for the nonprofit of the farm, so he's an important guy. Yeah, and here's <laughs> our interview. We have, we have dogs that are, like, not quite settling down. Yeah. Oh, no worries. I, I enjoy listening to their noises. <laughs> yeah. Especially the snoring. <laughs> yeah, well, it reminds me of Lola and Zoe. You know, yeah, RIP and all that, but... This is Aberdeen. <laughs> She's so about 5% pug and 15% beagle. And this is Scotland. He's more beagle than pug. Basically, we, we think of, like... Um, Scotland is pot and Aberdeen is cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> this is Castle here. And that's Finia up top. Your old running buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Now she runs in the back. We don't, we're not letting her out today because it's too, it's, it's warm and everything has gotten muddy and soft and yucky. And the dog would have to be completely wiped down by the time she got. Well, tell me about, tell me about warm. I just turned on the air conditioner again. Oh, wow. what's the temp down there? Uh, it's 67, but in the house, it's very humid because it's raining today. And we had the windows open because it was cool and we don't run the heat. We just, you know, we don't get cold like you guys. So unless it gets to under like 30, we usually keep the windows open and just, you know, bundle up. Right. And all the old people tell you, leave your water dripping. Yeah. Well, you know what? I have to thank you because I've been catching up on the, the podcast. I'm on episode 35. So I, by the time you guys actually post this one i should be all caught up but you know you, you gave out some advice on how to uh clear out the the hose lines and i was like oh, i've never done that and then you know we we had like 26 degrees the other i don't know like two weeks ago and i was like better go clear out the hose lines and i did and we didn't have any problems now would we have had problems maybe maybe not but no. you know I, I learned a little thing and i appreciate it quick editor's note Ron's not actually talking about the hose lines themselves. He's talking about the outdoor faucet or the outside spigot. And it's also called a silcock. Just so you have that name in your head. Okay, back to the show. Yeah, up here it's just the cold is a necessary... It happens every year. Down there, it's like, why build a house to be insulated against crazy temperatures? It just doesn't happen. So every once in a while, yeah. well, everybody freaks out. Yeah, well, you know, we uh, it's definitely warmer here than it is where you guys get, but then we also have the heat. So it is good to insulate your house here, too, uh, at least if you're running the AC. Yeah, good point. Good point. Because I think in the summer here, it's usually about 10 degrees warmer where you are in South Carolina than it is yeah. here. Like, I'll check and I'll go, wow. And it's like 10 or 15 degrees shaved off the top so that the summer's... I'll I'll accept the February in exchange for the August. Cause I'll, 
like up here up here people complain about august being super hot and like you don't even know <laughs> are the traffic lights melting yet or, or anything like bad like that no no you know we don't we haven't had that it's, it, you know we got heat but we also got so much humidity so it kind of just it's not melting like las vegas is melting but then i go to las vegas every summer and people say well why'd you come out here i'm like to get away from the heat <laughs> and, they, and they're like what are you talking about i'm like i'm from south carolina they're like but it's hotter here i'm like yeah but it's a dry heat like you got you always say it's a dry heat and also all the casinos are like 75 degrees so as long as you drink enough water you're safe yeah yeah so what's vegas like lately have you noticed a difference like getting hotter and, and... um you know there's i go like twice a year i go in the winter and i go in the summer and it, i i honestly don't pay much attention to the weather because I'm always just inside a casino. Um, I've been there in the winters and it's snowed, which is always weird and trippy. Uh, but it, you know, it's the desert, but it definitely gets cold in the in the wintertime. Um, and I've been there in the summers when it's rained and nobody knows how to drive in the rain there because it just doesn't rain very often. Uh, so you just you just stay off the road. You don't you don't want to be out there. It'll all end after, you know, like 45 minutes, it'll dry up, but you don't want to be out there in the rain. Um, yeah when i moved up to new england the one thing i did understand how to drive in was rain uh, yeah it was, it was the only thing i was accustomed to this the snow was like i actually wound up doing better in the snow because i was so afraid of it i was always afraid i was going to go in the ditch and i just wound up not taking any risks and i wound up okay so so the secret is fear <laughs> yeah one big problem in our house is that kara's lap is of limited size. <laughs> they and all want to be in you it. Got to put some meat on the bones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you got cute dogs. I I have five cats, and that's um that's a lot of cats. It's a lot of cats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, we love them. It was a little bit harder when there was five cats and two pugs, uh, two elderly pugs who couldn't see and couldn't hear, and yeah. you know. But uh, yeah. Now with now that we're down to five cats, it's a little bit easier. And you know, over the years we will wean those down and get down to a more reasonable amount of cats. Yeah. So do they almost take care of themselves or um yeah, I mean they they mostly take care of themselves, but we still gotta feed them and I gotta clean out the litter every you know, twice a week or so. For the most part, four of them are good, one of them is is not. And whoever the one is that's not sort of rotates around, but it, it's often the one guy who's also the most personable and charismatic and nice but at the same time he just will get a wild hair in his butt and start running around terrorizing people and peeing on stuff and whatever so i don't you know i'm a dog guy but you know i adapted okay cats are hard yeah cats yeah. Are, are they're very different yeah but up here in maine a lot of the cats people have are barn cats which is like a farm animal. It's like a job. And they yeah. just go outside and you don't feed them and they find their own food. Uh, there's a lot of like, you know, mice and rats and, and stuff in the woods, but not, not like New York rats. These are more like out in nature kind of, well, Kara doesn't see a difference between the two, but. Rats are rat. Yeah, rats are rat. <laughs> These are more like brown and furry and they don't look like the ones from the movies or the ones yeah. that New York. So I'm a little surprised 
I, I can understand not having like a barn cat because of all the chickens and ducks. But although I think you could probably train them to to ignore them, but I'm surprised you don't have a farm dog or two, like to ward off predators and stuff. We're we're pretty early in the process, and we don't have that much land cleared out. And everybody has a really good house that they get locked up in at night, so yeah. we just haven't had the trouble. And there's there's a bobcat that lives behind the property somewhere that. Uh, there's one point we think the goats have seen it or Kara saw something in the woods at one point but uh, one of the neighbors told me that the coyotes come from across the street like beyond the other guy's property and he shoots them it, and, and behind on the other side of our property is like a gravel pit so there's not that many large predators around there's some small ones and the yeah. trick would be to just not allow hiding places where a predator could hide during the day and to, to just lock them up at night. Because if you have a livestock guardian dog, those live outside all the time. And those yeah. tend to be um, roaming the property at night outside. So gotcha. we, and we want to have people on the farm all the time. And I, I would worry that a guardian dog would uh, would would take its job too seriously when there's strange people around and also the 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 law of large dogs is large droppings and and you it, have to train them because they don't know not to eat a chicken or a duck so sure. very specific i mean there's definitely training um and then alternatively i'm surprised you don't have a herding dog like a, a corgi or a you know, a lassie or something like that, where you can, you know, help them help you herd in the the ducks or the goats or sheep. I'm still afraid of most dogs, so because of my hand, but the pug is where I feel safest. So yeah, and, and the lap dogs. A livestock guardian dog would be huge and would be a worry, and a small like sheep dog would be extremely high energy. And the, that the would be would be so scared. <laughs> yeah. And again, we don't have that much space opened up yet, but I, I can see like down the road, maybe we um, get something or maybe I'll have a side by side by that time. Or I'm thinking a donkey, but they can be nasty too. So donkeys have, they, a, can be, they could also be helpful. Yeah, that's true. Donkeys have a genetic hatred of anything that even <laughs> looks like a wolf. Attack any canine that they see. So the, if we had a donkey, dogs would not be able to go out back. No, but you could have a you could have a workhorse donkey, and you could strap him down and and put your tool belt on him and let him follow you down the hill and carry your stuff. She wants miniature horses. <laughs> so I don't know that they work quite as well as donkeys do. Well, I have a soft spot for donkeys. Oh yeah, I mean donkeys are cool, but miniature horses, aw. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> A miniature, they have miniature donkeys, and I wouldn't mind having one, but it's just that they don't get along with dogs. Unless you train them. I mean, you, you'd have to train the donkey from birth, from like extremely young age to associate these dogs as part of its herd, but then it's still not 100% sure. So we could still end up with a donkey, because it's a genetic beef. It's, it's like a deeply, it's a deep genetic thing where they think that's a wolf. That's killed my ancestors. I'm taking it out. So it's it's not something I'm confident that we could control. If there were no dogs around, then the donkey would be the dog. 
basically. Right. And and yeah, they they could they do protect you know the the herd. So oh, that will kick. <laughs> it'd definitely be a, a good one for that. But the, as far as the miniature horses are concerned. <laughs> One miniature horse can pull a cart with a person on it. So if we hitch up two of them, they should be able to drag like firewood or something all the way up the hill. So that's what we're thinking. That works. So let's let's go ahead and introduce you. Uh, this is Ron Grossberg, which I should have said at the beginning of the thing. I'll probably spice that in. <laughs> okay. And then. Yeah. So I guess today is Ron Grossberg. He's a member of the board. For Anchor Me Farm, for the nonprofit that we have, he also went to high school with me. Uh, so um, you may extend your sympathies to him <laughs> for knowing me that long. <laughs> and he also has his own business. And the context that we're interviewing you in today is just small business stuff, because every farm is a small business, and people end up doing a lot of the physical stuff on the farm, but they they also have to do the paperwork. And eventually they have to hire somebody. So we just want to just talk. And many farms have to have a side gig to earn money because a lot of farms don't actually earn money. So Right. Or they don't earn yep. enough. Yeah. So like like you're lucky if you make enough money to cover the cost of existing. So you right. end up well, like one of the one of the people in the relationship has like the day job that pays the mortgage and then which is what it is here and in a lot of other places. So we just want to talk about small business stuff. Um, so why don't we start with with what your business is? Okay, so I'm on, I'm actually on my fourth business, uh, which is a process serving company. We cover the Carolinas and beyond. Uh, if you've never really considered a process serving company, what they, what they do is they deliver the legal documents and the bad news to people. Um, it, they they do show up in a lot of the legal dramas and stuff like that on TV and in movies. Pineapple Express was a movie that. Uh, feature prominently in, but it's not like in the TV and movies. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's just a business like any other little small business and we have a little part to play. Do you need a certain degree of educational background to do that or there's special licenses or insurance? Definitely don't need a degree to do it. Um, as far as licensing and insurance goes, every state is a little bit different. I mean, there's definitely commonalities in some states. The state that I got started in, which is South Carolina, uh, the rules there are basically you just have to be 18 years old or older and not a part of the case in the papers that you're delivering. Uh, other states, as far as like New York or California, where they're a lot bigger, a lot more populous, they're a whole lot more regulated where you have to take a course, pass a test, pay your licensing fee to the state or the association that's uh, empowered by the state to certify you. And do that every year so that they make sure you're out there doing it safely and correctly and not getting in any trouble and stuff like that. Um, so where I'm at is on one end of the spectrum where California and New York are is on the other end of the spectrum and all the rest of the states are somewhere in between. Okay, so how did you land on process serving? Because you've, you've, you've done a few things. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So like I said, this is my, my fourth business. Uh, the one before this was doing bail bonds, which um, was the natural... Uh, next step after being a IT consultant. Um, so that's how I ended up in the, in the bail bonds, obviously, because I, you know, I was an IT consultant in Y2K and then uh, went back to college to actually get my degree because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, uh, which Brian knows, because I went through the career of the week a lot in the early 20s. 
not necessarily changing jobs, but just daydreaming about jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went back to college and then I got out of college and I still didn't know what I wanted to be, but my degree was in uh, business with a focus on entrepreneurship because I'd already run a couple of businesses and I knew I enjoyed that and I liked being my own boss. Uh, so I got a job in corporate America again, which I didn't like and wasn't a good fit for. And uh, after three years of that, I was ready to move on to something else. So I, I wrote up a business plan to, to be a bail bondsman and convinced my then wife at the time to let me do that and uh, got fired three weeks before I was going to quit. So that was actually a, a, a an actual good thing for me because it, it wasn't actually fired. It was laid off. It was that that 2009, 2008, um, the housing crisis and everything. Yeah. And so I got laid yeah. off, quote unquote, although uh, me and four other people got laid off and they all got hired back except for one guy, one other guy. Uh, but I, I already had my plan to, to quit at Labor Day and they laid me off in late July, early August. So it worked out perfectly for me because then I was able to collect unemployment. And uh, I did that for about I don't know, six to nine months while I was actively building my business. And then at, at a certain point, I was like, okay, I'm making more money than unemployment. And it's really a hassle to te- keep, you know, reporting back to unemployment, what I've done this week and how much I've made collecting the hundred or $150 or whatever they'll, they'll pay me. So I, you know, I dropped off the rolls and never looked back. So I was doing bail bonds for uh, probably six or nine months which was a whole nother story we don't really need to get into, but it didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out because I had done all my research on a national level. And like with process serving, every state is different. And South Carolina had one thing that I didn't realize, which was you can't outsource the bounty hunting aspect of bail bonds, that whole dog, the bounty hunter thing where they go hunt down the guy who doesn't show up to court. That has to be you, the bail bondsman, who does that, or an employee of yours, but not an outside consultant, not an independent contractor. And well, when you start a new business, you can't afford to pay someone to work for you unless you're doing a lot of business. And I wasn't doing a lot of business, so there's no way I would be able to hire an employee to just sit on their butt for that, you know, call maybe six months from now to go retrieve someone and arrest them, send them back to jail. So I had to completely change up my my business plan, and I tried to become basically a boutique bail bondsman, and I made connections with all of the um, criminal defense attorneys in town, the, the ones who get paid the big bucks. And I just waited until one of them would call me and say, hey, I've got a client who's going back into jail today, and we want to get him out the same day. You know, meet me here, and they'll pay you and all that. Um, it's That was a great little gig, but it doesn't happen very often. Usually people, when they get arrested, they don't hire an attorney until later in the process. So these are, you know, these are people who can afford to hire an attorney right up front and get themselves out of jail and hopefully um, get a, a lighter sentence because almost all of them did end up going to jail for or prison, you know, in the end anyway. Uh, so anyway, I had a lot of free time on my hands while I sat there waiting for the phone calls, phone call to ring and phone calls to come in. And uh, one day, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Brian Gambrell, who was an attorney at the time, is an attorney and was uh, working for another attorney at the time, messaged me and said, hey, what are you doing today? And I said, nothing. He said, well, come buy me lunch. I've got a job for you. I said, OK. And I went and bought him lunch. And he said, I need you to serve a couple of papers for me. And I said, well, what's that? He said, well, I give you the papers and you go over to the people's house. You knock on the door and you hand them the papers. And that's that. And I said, well, I could do that. And I did. And then I got paid. And within like, you know, a week or two, I got paid and that was it. Like the job was, was enough to cover the lunch. 
oh, it's enough to cover the lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the best part was like the job was over. When you do bail bonds, you bail someone out of jail and then you have this liability hanging over your head for months, if not years, where they have to show up to court every you know, few months or whatever, whenever the courts are, court dates are, until their actual case is adjudicated and completed, and they either are set free as innocent or go to prison for punishment. And if they don't show up to court, any of those court dates, then the state can say, hey, all that money that you paid us, and then some, you need to pay us back, or go get that guy and bring him into jail, Yeah, bring, bring him to jail so that, you know, we can have our court date. Um, luckily, I never actually had to do that. But I also in, I don't know, five or six years, I only bail bonded out 102 or 101 people, something like that. So, you know, when you divide that up over all those years, that's not a whole lot of business and a whole lot of, you know, work. So when when Brian Gambrell called me and said, hey, go do this, I was like, well, how do I do more of this? And so he starts sending me more work and I started networking and doing more of it. And uh, by 2014, I was doing a lot more of the process serving than I was doing of the bail bonding. And so actually the official 10-year anniversary of my business is going to be January 2nd coming up because I was doing it for years before that while I was under the bail bond company. But I slid it off in 2014 and said, hey, we're going to set up a separate company now just for process serving. So that's where this fourth business has come from. And uh, after about 2015, 16, somewhere in there, I got divorced. I shut down the bail bonds business and it's been process serving ever since. So how'd you get the name? Well, we got to say the name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of workshopped the name with, you know, my friends and family. I have a little board of advisors and stuff, uh, just like I'm on the board for the, the farm. I have a little, um, it's an unofficial board because I'm an LLC and we didn't require to, weren't required to have a board of directors. But I have a, a, a group that I um, ask questions to and stuff, and several attorneys are in that group and stuff. And and, and honestly, a lot of the feedback was, um, no, don't don't use that name. Go with something that's more appropriate for the legal industry, like Roseburg's Legal Service or something like that. But I'm a little different. Actually, I'm a lot different. I've always been a little different. And and I I... I kind of moved to the beat of my own drum and that's why I didn't really work well working for someone else in corporate America. And I do well working for myself. And I said, I'm just going to stick with this and see. And it turns out that while lawyers may not appreciate the name, paralegals do. And paralegals are the ones who send me the work, not the lawyers. And so it's, you know, it's a catchy name and it's sort of, you know, it's sort of memorable. And that's what I was going for, especially because people were moving away from the yellow pages and stuff like that. So you know, coming up with like A1 process serving isn't really going to help me much in the long run. Yeah. So, so basically the name of the thing is Palmetto Legal Gophers. Yeah. Gophers and like the animal. <laughs> Palmetto makes sense because it's South Carolina, it's the Palmetto State. And legal, obvious. And then gophers yeah. because you're, you're, you're going to get their papers. Yeah. We're, we're, um, there's an old saying, which, you know, the, the young kids today probably don't encounter, but you know, used to have in offices, you used to have office gophers. Right. You know, you, you, you'd be uh, young folks who were like interns or maybe in their first job. And we're talking like back before the internet, you know, where you just, you had runners and you would say, hey, go, go for, come over here, go, go take this somewhere, go take that somewhere. And there were the gophers that would run around and do stuff. Go I mean, for even that was before my time. Yeah. yeah. 
they would go get things, which said go for coffee, go for lunch, go get this. There's basically just, yeah, there's runners. Yeah. But now you don't have to run after anybody and tackle them on TV. So you, yeah. You just take the papers. <laughs> yes. And and unlike you, I, I have not kept up with my running and, and I am not in any shape to go chase anyone. So I've, I'm not I'm not up there either. I've, I've been doing I haven't had the time to, to really get out there and run the way I want to. Uh, in the summer, it's a little easier. In the winter, the main road up here doesn't have any room. It's just you and the snow plows. So there's no shoulders, no sidewalk. So I've I've actually gotten a lot physically stronger just from the stuff I have to carry. And then the, I think in the winter, I get a lot stronger because I have to carry the water. And in, in the summer, we do a lot more projects because the weather's better. And the days are so much longer. So you the sun comes up in the summer, like what, five in the morning? something like that and it yeah. goes down at like eight or nine at night so well it's seven or eight seven or eight sorry um yeah. uh, so, <laughs> so i'm all out of it so <laughs> seven or eight at night and then so you're, you're getting up in the summer at a stupid time to let everybody out but it's easy to let them out uh and then the only problem is when we want to go to bed we have to convince all the chickens and birds that it's the end of the day and they're like sun's right there dude yeah, we're not sun's going. out it's bright it's broad daylight i'm not going anywhere so it's just really they're the worst chickens are the worst but but there is enough room i have a little loop on the property where i can run and it's just like all hill training well i gotta say um i am the laziest guy on earth and comparatively um i mean i i hear you you guys describe your day and it just sounds like a living hell to me i would never <laughs> want that situation for myself uh, at the same time, you probably don't want my situation where like, you know, you've got the step tracker and your phone. I've looked at that tracker at the end of the day and it'd be like, you've moved 324 steps today. And that's it. <laughs> because that was like from my desk to the bathroom and back to my desk. And that's it. Because I work from home. And if I don't have any errands to run, that was it. Yeah. It does sound pretty good <laughs> to me actually right now. But if I if I didn't have the farm to do, I would have to be making time to get on an exercise bike or to go on the treadmill or to run out on the road or, or something. I'd have to schedule my physical exercise. I get away with not doing that right now because I have so much stuff, physical stuff going on. I see a lot of old people shoveling their own snow and doing all kinds of stuff. And it's like, I, it's, I hesitate to ask if I need to help because that might be how they keep moving. So there's a lot of really old people that are still very solid. And it's because of a lifetime of, of that. So it's hoping that when I'm 85, I'll be glad I did all this. Well, for the longest time, he yeah. never believed me that he would lose weight by doing farm work. Yeah, I've apparently <laughs> lost like 30, 35 pounds, but it was like over the course of three years. So I, I, I didn't notice it. Keep it off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you look like a cancer patient to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're really skinny, man. Yeah, no hair and skinny. Yeah. You're nothing like you were in high school. That's true. I was a little, a little more pudgy in high school. I, I got my skinniest was in my thirties though. Cause then I was running and it was like all cardio and it was like, I, but I had no upper body strength at all. And just like yeah. the first time I tried to lift a bucket of water here, I was like, ah! it was, it was like a comedy sketch. Me trying to like carry some of the stuff I had to carry. Carry in high school, this guy would just be like, Oh, I, I need to go home and my ride can't make it and I missed the bus. So I'm just going to walk home and it's like 12 miles. That's fine. <laughs> and you just walk 12 miles, you know, like it's just no big deal. 
whatever. You know, in the in in like the the May, you know, 85, 90 degree heat, wearing an army jacket and fatigues because that was like the style. And you just walk home and whatever. I'll take a shower when I get home. It wasn't 12 months, it's more like six, but it's still <laughs> like more than most people would bother with. But but yeah, it took a while, but yeah. I was the same way though. If I missed the bus or something, I'd just be like, well parents are home so I'll just walk it it was like four miles or five miles I don't know I gotta admit I kind of missed career of the <laughs> week because Ron would come up and say I'm gonna do this now I'm like okay cool and like it was like what's it gonna be this week what's it gonna be and and Ron came up with the label career of the week and it was it was kind of neat it was a it was a <laughs> real-time workshopping of like other people were just silently dreading like what am I gonna do like you get out of high school like where am I gonna go and, and Ron was actively targeting various careers. And then after a while, he'd learn more about him and go, nah. And he'd go to the next one. <laughs> oh, it would only take a week of learning. You know, like I was going to be a fireman. And then I was like, no, I'm not going to be a fireman. <laughs> and then I was going to be a gem cutter. I'm like, no, I'm not going to be a gem cutter. You know, like, just all these different weird careers. <laughs> but I that, do kind of regret not being a cabinet maker. I, I, I thought I would make a pretty good cabinet maker, but it, I am not really good with tools. So maybe that wouldn't have been all that good yeah i regret not doing construction <laughs> as a kid just going out and getting some kind of basic construction skills you don't even have to be an electrician or anything like that just basic stuff framing that'd be helpful to you now yeah yeah so yeah. i i i did do a little construction you probably don't remember you weren't there um i did a little construction and i worked on a farm for six months right at the right after high school another editor's note because we were both talking and zoom got confused on the audio Ron went to a kibbutz for six months in Israel right after high school, and that's what we're talking about. And he, he did not like it. But back to the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, this is where I, I I really really believe that where you guys are and what you're doing, while it works for you, is a living hell for me because you have so many chickens and ducks, and <laughs> I had one one night of chickens, and that that was it for me. Never again why um, There's something. um no no i do, i couldn't deal with all the poop you yeah. know i just couldn't deal with it we used to make fun of um, him and it's ironic because <laughs> we were like hey hey you're going to work on a farm right you know what they do on farms they work ha 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 we'd <laughs> laugh at him because he was gonna have to get up early in the morning and work really hard and and I did. I got on the i got to ride on the tractor and these these guys would would yell at me in foreign language and i couldn't understand them and so I was just there, like their gopher. I would go haul like buckets of cement or concrete, or I would bring them a tool, or I would bring them pieces of wood. Whatever we did, we did. We did later. I found out what we were doing, you know, because you know when I got home, I learned like, oh, I did stucco. Oh, we put a window in. Oh, we we graded a driveway and put in bricks on the driveway. Oh, we put up fence posts, you know. But I don't know how to do these things unless you're yelling at me in a foreign language where I don't understand what you're saying and just pointing at something. That's what I know how to do. The universe. Like, literally... Brian explained how he puts up the fence post. I'm like, oh, I've done that. <laughs> There's a universal language when you're driving a tractor. If you're doing something wrong, everybody else would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you, just, you just stop. <laughs> they never let me drive the tractor either, which was unfortunate for me, but probably safe for them. Probably. Well, yeah, if they're always having to yell at you, then, then yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a large oh, yeah. diesel yeah. piece of equipment with a with a bucket and it weighs a lot and you're just doot, doot, doot. And by the time they 
they would literally have to wave at you and yell and you don't know what they're saying. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, what, do you, what do you say? Coming closer. What do you, what? Oh, I'm stepping in the concrete. Oops. You know, I should, I should stop. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm terrible at this. One of the first jobs they gave me was like, here's a bucket of paint, climb on top of that um, shipping container and paint the roof of it. And then of course, me being dumb and 18 and not knowing anything, painted myself into the corner. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to hang out here for a few hours. <laughs> it's all wet paint. Literally painted yourself into a corner, an actual corner. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> I was as dumb as it came, you know, like I, you, you don't, there's all kinds of, of, of skilled labor. Like you said, I was not skilled at all. Oh, I wasn't either. I, I didn't know yeah. anything at 18. <laughs> Yeah, but they, they probably would have thought like, oh, this guy should start at that end and come towards the ladder. But no, I started at the ladder and went towards the end. <laughs> so let's get back onto the subject of business because there's there's a lot of stuff yeah. you do that is useful for like anybody. Mm -hmm. Like a, like the way you, you've got employees, right? How do you do your payroll? Okay, so with payroll, uh, I learned this at one of my first jobs in corporate America, which was which was actually quite helpful for me, was working for two software developers and out of their house. Um, you don't want to run payroll yourself because mm -hmm. it is just too hard. If you've got your focus on your job and payroll itself is like a job in most places. If you've got like one or two employees, you think, oh, I can do it, but you need to know all the rules, all the regulations, state, federal, county even has, sometimes your county has a different, you know, like a uh, little ta payroll tax there. Um, and they all have deadlines and they have forms to fill out. Honestly, for like 20, 30 bucks a paycheck, it's better to outsource that to a payroll specialist. And there's a bunch of them. There's some national brands like uh, Paychecks and, I think payroll one or something like that. But you can also find like local mom and pops who do this. Usually a lot of tax preparers will also do payroll on the side. And basically you just, uh, you know, you email them your your weekly or or biweekly or monthly payroll. And you say, this is, you know, what it is. And they set it up for you in a direct deposit. Um, they fill out all those tax forms. They send them to you for approval. If you don't really know what you're doing, you just say yes and hope that they're doing a good job. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, they, they cover um, any liability if, if they mess up, which is the important thing. Because um, I guarantee you, if you do it, you will mess up and you'll have a penalty to pay. And you really don't want to deal with that. It's just a lot of extra headache. And it sounds like your best case scenario is you learn how to do the payroll correctly and you've got it. But now you're spending all your time being a payroll specialist instead of doing your job that you're trying, you're trying to do. Absolutely. And there's rules for, you know, micro businesses and small businesses and medium sized businesses. I'm a small business. I have under 50 employees, which I think, you know, some 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 rules are like uh, small businesses under 100. Some is 100 under 50. Some say it's under five. I've got two employees. In my mind, that's a micro business. Right. Um, to me, any mom and pop or, you know, up to like five employees is is like a micro business. And once you get above five, then you really have to, that's when you have to have like an HR person. Uh, you got to, you know, post all those rules for your state for unemployment and for workers comp and all that stuff on the wall somewhere and things like that. And you've got more uh, regulations that you have to comply with. So from five to like 50, I think is small. And then once you get above 50 employees, 
then I, I kind of feel like you're a medium-sized business until you really start hitting big numbers. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because like some of the rules about, because every time on TV, when they talk about small business, they're always, when you hear 50 employees on TV, they're thinking of that as a tiny business because they're thinking of giant corporations. It's like, no, in reality, a mom and pop is like mom and pop and that's it. And maybe they've dragged yes. kids in. And then it, it's a long haul between that and having 50 employees. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you can't afford employees until you're making good money, right? I mean, that's that's really the, you know, the, the dirty secret is, once you've got employees, you've got to make sure that they're fed and keep them active and keep them going. And if you're doing that, then you've got to be making enough money for yourself too, because you're not doing the work anymore that you're outsourcing to that. So um, yeah, once you, once you get up to like 10, 15 employees, you, you're talking like, you know, that's some good capitalism right there. That's, you know, I got a boat kind of capitalism. It may not be a yacht, but it's, you know, I got a boat. <laughs> you know, um, and once you get to like like fifty, you know, fifty or a hundred, you're you're you know you're doing good, and anything above that, I mean, you're you're flirting with low level Wall Street, I think. And I know people think Wall Street, and they think of like the movies and stuff, but they're just like there's a whole, um, you know, like a a prism or whatever the Thank word you. is, you know, between uh, between one end and the other. Um, in, in small business, there is also in large business, you know, you've got the, the, the very basic people on Wall Street who have, you know, they might make $100 million a year, which sounds like a lot to us, but it's nothing compared to an Apple, which makes billions of year, you know, a year kind of thing. So um, it, it's all just in comparison, right? But hey, if I ever got to Wall Street, I would be doing real well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like a lot of people that do their own business, I think they're just I think the goal is just to be comfortable and to just have to not worry about stuff and to be doing Absolutely. that also feeds into what you're saying about payrolls outsource that so that you can do yeah, it's just a headache. There's a lot of things like that where like Kara has had to learn so many things about the paperwork and then we finally broke down or like we got to get an accountant. This is getting too yeah. hard. And the only way to get good at it is to spend all your time on that instead of your job. So yes. We finally got an account, especially when we did the nonprofit, and that's going to be a big, a big bill. So we're trying to present them with, which is crazy. You would think a nonprofit that wouldn't cost as much as regular taxes, but no. Well, they they charge. No, they got they got all their rules and regulations too. Yeah, oh, yeah, they charge according to the paperwork <laughs> they got to do and the work they got to do to to get us through it. So it's we're basically trying to keep things as tidy as we can so that we can reduce the amount of pain they have to go through. We don't want to like walk up with the old, uh, the old joke in the old TV shows is like the box of crumpled receipts. You right. know? Yeah. But, but yep. today you don't even give them the receipts. You have to yeah. punch them in yourself. Yeah. You have to have, yes. yeah. That's, I, that's the problem right there. I had a, <laughs> I had a job interview in Portland, Maine years ago with a guy that had a company that scanned receipts and yep. And that was like, that was what he did. And I don't know if it was common at the time, but you had mentioned that there's one of the services you suggested to Kara in the last meeting was was something that will scan receipts for you. What, could you go into that a little bit? Yeah. So there's, you know, everyone hears about QuickBooks and QuickBooks is awesome. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I got annoyed with them because I bought the, 
off the shelf copy and was using that for one of my earlier businesses. And like every three or four years, they would say, oh, okay, well, now we've upgraded everything and your copy is not going to work any longer. So you need to go buy $300 worth of a new upgrade from us. And I'm like, I don't need your new features. I just, I have it working. It's doing exactly what I need. And I got real frustrated with having to pay like 300 bucks every few years. And they're like, oh, we well, could pay like 30 bucks a month. I'm like, uh, no, I don't need to do that either, you know? Um, and so I, I, I looked around and there's a couple of um, freeware or free to use uh, versions out there of, of different software. And the one that I came across and started using was called Wave, W-A-V-E. Um, and when I got into it, it was still like, clearly they were still building it because every few weeks they were like, hey, here's a new feature and tell us what you think and stuff like that. Um, now they have a, um, I think a version where you can pay for it versus the free. I'm still using the free version. Um, they do payroll. If you want to outsource your payroll to them, you know, rather than a payroll service, they'll be happy to use, you know, do your payroll for you and that kind of thing, um, which I'm sure is fine. I don't, I don't use that. I use a payroll service though, because I, I just know that there's someone out there that I use whose job is payroll and Wave's job is bookkeeping. And now they're doing payroll and bookkeeping. I, I just rather keep it with someone whose specialty is one thing rather than a bunch of things. Yeah. Um, but I, I think they do have an app, which I, I do not use, um, but I think they do have an app for your phone where you can just like take a picture of your receipt and it just imports it into your Wave bookkeeping. I actually don't need to do that for very much because most of my transactions are done through um, online banking. Uh, for the most part, I use online banking for paying suppliers and things like that. I have a credit card for most of the rest of it. And that credit card ties into Wave. Uh, it's it's all integrated through a third-party service called Plaid, which is apparently very common in the financial industry. It, it basically talks between banks and these bookkeeping services like QuickBooks or Wave and things like that. Um, you, you just have to be comfortable enough with giving your login information to that third-party service and giving them access to your bank accounts, which some people are not, but I, I am for whatever reason, call me dumb. Um, but it works and I like things that work. And as long as I don't have a bad, you know, a bad event happen, uh, it, knock on wood, it, it all, it all works better for me because I'm not spending a lot of time doing bookkeeping versus my actual day job. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so when it, what comes down to is then like the, the last few purchases that I make that aren't on a credit card that integrates in with Wave and uh, doing online banking, then I do get receipts. And then I just, you know, I can just manually, we're talking like three or four a year. I just manually enter those transactions into Wave and I'm, I'm good. But someone who does a lot of receipt work that doesn't integrate in, yeah, you could definitely, I could see the use of an app where you just, you know, take a picture of it using their, their app and it imports it into your books. It would be very helpful. Yeah, problem is, so we do Hanford to go, and I don't know if they're able to comprehend that I have to do two separate receipts. So I've been putting everything on one receipt. So mm -hmm. I have to go and highlight, like old school, highlight everything and manual <clears throat> it. It's going to be a mess. And I haven't even started. And it's like December. It's so there's like, going to be receipts yeah. have to be entered <laughs> manually. Yeah. But there's other receipts that could be scanned. Yeah. And we bought. Um, I we, did quit the QuickBooks. Like it was a waste of money. I always try to shut it off. Like I keep it on for a month and do all the stuff and then shut it off. But this year just got away from me and it's a waste of money. But yeah, I'm going to go with yeah. the thing and for both things. 
Well, what you were saying with the receipt with the Hannaford, you got to split it out. That's between the two businesses that you're talking about, like half for this one business and half for that business. Well, most of it's like the bakery business and then per our personal groceries and then a, a gotcha. couple items are for the farm. So it gets really confusing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one receipt could be split three ways. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, every, every business has its own little perks and, and, and quirks and things. Um, so like I, I have specialized software that I use for process serving and that specialized software handles all the invoicing to all of my clients everywhere. And it tracks the invoices and it tracks the payments and that's wonderful. But my accountant doesn't know what to do with that information because it doesn't do anything else with the expenses that my business incurs, right? It doesn't have anything to do with my payroll. It doesn't have anything to do with the postal expenses or whatever else. Yeah, buying paper. It just handles invoicing clients and receiving the payments. So then I use Wave and I have to basically, don't tell the IRS, have a second set of books, right? And so what I do is I, I take every week, I take the weekly total of invoices from the software and I create an invoice in Wave. And I say, this is the invoice for the week. This is all the work that we build out and I put it in there. And then when I get a payment from a client, I have to put it in both places. So it, you know, quote unquote balances out. It never seems to balance out just right. But you, you know, you just sort of, the IRS doesn't care about cents. They care about hundreds of dollars. So yeah, you know, as long as you're not like messing yourself up in a big way, if it's just a few cents here and there, it's fine. Um, but if you're hundreds of dollars off, then you you really need to spend a little more time working your books through and making sure they're correct. Oh yeah, and that's the stuff you present to your your bookkeeper. Yeah, usually pretty good because I do everything through Square for the. Basic. Yeah, I'm sure that that's also a similar interface. Farm doesn't yeah. money, so I mean we're <laughs> we're just putting money out from the farm, but yeah. We're working on ways for the farm to make money, though. We're working on um, setting up in, in Square. You can set up donations as a product in your Square mm -hmm. online store. And we're going to let people sponsor one of the goats. Or oh, that's good. That's a good idea. And they can basically just pay X amount per month. And what was the breakdown? The, for it was like $5 a month. You can get a thank you email. Um, $20 a month, you get a picture that's not on the social medias and an email mm -hmm. each month. And then I think it was $50, you get a personal postcard of your animal that you're sponsoring each month. Oh, nice. Yeah. When you do that, I, I also suggest just off the top of my head, taking headshots of your goats and posting those headshots in the farmhouse and just say like, you know, whatever the goat's name is, you know, is available for, you know, for sponsorship for, you know, this amount or whatever, or, or if once, yeah. And, or if one is sponsored, like so-and-so has sponsored the goat this month, or, you know, is currently sponsoring this goat and, and list out the person sort of like a donation role. Yeah. Um, Cause that, that might speak to some people to make them, Oh, I want to have them, my name up on that wall or whatever. Yeah. That's a good or idea. if they have a connection with a certain goat. <laughs> yeah. Th there's several, once people start coming to the property, there's several goats that they seem to be drawn to. Kinzel's uh, number one. Yeah, Kinzel. <laughs> He's like the most chill dude, and he yeah. will, he will let the kids pet him. He's cool, and uh, so everybody kind of falls in love with him. So he's probably 
Like the people who've been to the farm would probably sponsor him the most. Yeah, people have returned. They're always like, where is that white cold guy? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's all white. He's like the our only white goat. So. And he's got like an epic beard too. Yeah. So that's that's oh, all. Cool. And he's got the long fur. So he's his little uh legs have like fur all where so, all of them are shorter haired, so those are some of the benefits. Like we talk about all this work we do on the farm, but then when you're out there and somebody walks up next to you and you scratch his ears and, and there's a lot of, Oh, look, a lot of good moments. There's definite benefits. And, and, and that you got to grab onto that stuff because you're, you're, you're fighting a losing battle, right? I mean, these are all mouths you have to feed and, yeah. you know, butts you have to wipe. I've listened to those podcasts, oh, yeah. you know, so yeah. I mean, you you got to take the take those good moments when you get them because that's also part of your pay. That's part of your reward right there. Oh yeah. You know that's that's why you're doing this. If you're you know if you're not enjoying that, then why why are you doing it, right? Yeah, we get we get a a serious mm -hmm. emotional high when their winter cashmere comes in and they all get fluffy, <laughs> and and they also start eating a lot more hay to prep for winter, so they all get fat, <laughs> and then in summer they trim down. And then, so it's, mm -hmm. it's like the first time we actually, because they're ruminants, because of the way their digestive system works, they actually can just eat a whole bunch of material and their body balloons out in a day. Yeah. Like fatter than they were this morning. And yeah. the first time we saw that, we we're like, oh my God, are you okay? Is something wrong? <laughs> and you're fatter on All gas. one side's <laughs> fatter than the other side. Wah! And, and it's because they're fermenting all that stuff. And it's, they've got this yep. incredible chemistry process going on in their gut that is getting energy out of dead grass you know it's which crazy. is just it's just crazy yeah, it's crazy to, to yeah. even do that but there's also some there's some pine trees and stuff and spruce and related like evergreens on the property and i'll go cut piece, pieces of it with a chainsaw and toss uh -huh. it <laughs> and they just descend upon it like a, a school of fluffy piranha just eating all the pine needles and stripping the bark and it's kind of cool to watch yeah. yes um that that actually kind of brings up a couple of questions i've had because like i said i've been listening to the podcast i'm almost caught up um I'm, I'm up to like october late october um i know you guys were trying to do some vegetable gardening and yeah. I, i'm an amateur yarmer y-a-r-m-e-r so the term i'm trying to popularize but everyone thinks is ridiculous <laughs> Uh, I have one fifth of an acre and every spring and summer, my girlfriend and I, we, we basically plant too many tomato plants and pepper plants and we do organic gar gardening. So we only get just enough for us anyway, out of all of that, like we're talking 28 tomato plants or more easily. <laughs> um, but yeah, we just barely get enough tomatoes because, you know, all the insects and fungus and everything gets to it. Um, but yeah, so what I've learned over a few years of this yarming is that vegetable gardening is really hard, yeah. um, like really, really hard. And it takes a lot of time and effort. And I put in some of that time and effort and I'm lazy. So I don't know why or how you guys are doing it, but, but I would suggest maybe something else. Um, yeah. Look for ways to monetize your, your resources that you do have. Well, it isn't to make money. For the farm it's okay for us to eat and i actually like gardening i got it from my mom i'm not good at it but i like it 
just okay. vegetables though like flowers i kill automatically it's yeah waste of time so it's a desire to grow some of our own food yeah and find the time but everything else is dominating the time and so we're gotcha. kind of like are we even going to have a garden because okay. we well so i the time doesn't seem to be there yeah, I spend a lot of a lot of hours in springtime preparing the garden every year, but you've got some resources I don't have, and I wanted to to suggest a few things that you may or may not have heard of or thought of. Um, the first first one is some sort of Viking term, or you know, some sort of Northern European term called Huggle culture, which is where you take a tree that's dead and you chop it up into sections and you bury it in the ground and then you mound up. The tree, you start with like the, the the trunk part and then you get ever smaller pieces of wood built into almost like a triangle and you mound up dirt on top of that. And it it fertilizes the, the area for years as it decomposes. And it's like a mound that just sort of, you know, over time settles down and as lower and lower. But it, you don't really have to fertilize it nearly as much because it's got all that dead material in there that the the organisms like and so you can build your garden on top of that and it and it might be helpful that's we, really cool but we actually are good on fertilizer because duck poo is the number one fertilizer for gardens yeah well and then i was going to say like you've got all these little um you know pools with duck water and duck poo in them oh, yeah, I use that seems that. like gold yeah yeah I, I was thinking we could get they sell these like shelter logic is the name of the company and they sell mm -hmm. Uh, like sturdy steel frames with a, a specialized tarp stretched over it. And there's storage buildings and there's, you know, corrals and there's all kinds of stuff they have. They have greenhouses, which is mm -hmm. basically like the storage building, but the tarp you pull over it is translucent and it lets the right kind of light in. And yeah. I've, I've thought about getting like a 12 by 20 and put it up front and just basically letting the ducks hang out in there in the winter. And in the front, like the, the ducks that are infirm, the ones that have the bad legs, just have them hang out in there in the winter, right. be a little warmer for them. And the summer, we just yeah. have a garden in there. All right. So I've got a, a, another idea because I've been looking for thinking of ways that you could help monetize and make some money. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I know that like, you know, you, you've mentioned in previous episodes about how you've got all these trees that need to come down or have come down and the goats don't eat the trunks. They eat the, the branches and stuff and that's great, but they don't eat the trunks. And you're left with all this, you know, dead rotting wood. Um, if you get one of those greenhouses and you can connect it to the duck shelter, which is so humid all the time, and have it so that the evac fan in the duck shelter blows into the greenhouse, and then you take those dead logs, and I'm sure there's a little bit of research you need to do into this, but uh, get some mushroom spores and grow mushrooms in there as a product, and then with you know like a couple hundred dollars you get a, a dehydrator you could you could grow a large supply of you know marketable mushrooms that you can then dehydrate and brand as you know anchor me farm mushrooms that are shelf stable Maybe and mushrooms. oh yeah that's <laughs> yeah. and it yeah. would be a safe mushroom there's all there's already like right. growing on some of these dead trees <laughs> so so, right, but I'm talking about you get like lion's mane mushroom starter and oyster mushroom starter, that kind of stuff, so that yeah. you know it's they, it's the the good for you kind. They make money off that, and it would be a public service yeah. as well because a lot of mainers will talk about foraging for mushrooms, 
<laughs> and yeah, if you're going to forage in the woods for mushroom mushrooms, you need to be a mushroom expert because oh, there's yeah. a lot of stuff you should not eat. Down here too, same thing. Like our, our common friend, uh, Gina. Um, yes. Gina joined a mushroom. I don't know if it was on Facebook or what it was. She joined some kind of mushroom forum and she had to leave because she spent all of her time saying, no, 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 don't eat that. That is this kind of mushroom. Because people would yeah. put it, it was like, I'm going to eat this for dinner. And, and it would be something they grabbed and it's something that's going to make them sick. And she's like, one of these days, somebody's going to eat something that kills them. And it was like, and I'm only spending my time telling people to stop it. Don't do that. Uh, that's the wrong one. Right. So she had, yeah. to, she had to dip out. She was out of there. Uh, so if we yeah. had actual, like, correct, like, food safe mushroom. That's a good idea. Because <laughs> All right, well, so people at the farmer's markets always sell out first. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so like they sell these mushroom starters or like pellets or whatever you, you, again, you'll have to research a little bit, but then you can buy them online. They sell them to you in bulk and you can start a, like a, a whole business line of just mushrooms. You can do them fresh. You can do them dried with just a dehydrator. Like, you know, it doesn't take long to dehydrate mushrooms. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, I'm looking at what you've got as far as resources, you've got old dead wood that needs to come down yeah. and, and be resourced. You've got humid air from the ducks that you just can't get rid of. And you've got darkness, you know, <laughs> half the year, which mushrooms like warm, moist, dark. Now, the warm is the hard part. But if you put a heater in there that's not like going to catch fire to anything, you should be pretty good, I would think. You might have to wiggle with it a little bit. But I think you could really like start a little line of business. Maybe it'll make you five or $10,000 a year, but that's still five or 10000 you're not making. And it's pretty low I think it's low manual labor there, right? You, you chop yeah. up the wood, yeah. you start the thing, and you keep it moist, and that's all you got to do until it's harvest time. Right. In fact, we could probably do the other kind of the regular storage shelter logic building that will keep the light out. And do yeah, it that too. Yeah, I mean, mushrooms don't like, you know, bright light and cold air, I don't think. I think they like warm, moist. Dark, like so. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's just something, you know, an idea I had. It. I'm not saying you have to do it, but I was looking for ways that you can. Monetize and make you know, make some money off the resources you got. Because I don't like mushrooms to eat, but I could grow them probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you dehydrate them and you throw them in a baggie and you you put a little label on it and stick it in the farm store. And those baggies, those dried mushrooms will last you know a year or two easily. Yeah, as long as they're dehydrated. Anyone else sells mushrooms in this area? All right, so, we're gonna try it. And there's that. Yeah. The experiment Good is going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. Thank you. It sounds like hard work. I don't want any part of it. <laughs> well, you know. It's part for the course here. Yeah. Thought of it. You got to start it. It's, it is. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm an idea guy. <laughs> it is kind of funny, though, that I've, I've, I've actually caught myself, like, fantasizing. When I think back to my old glory days, I'm like, oh, those were the days. The days I'm actually fantasizing about now are, like, when I, I hit this sweet spot where I had an apartment in, in Somerville in South Carolina mm -hmm. and I worked in, in Charleston, but I had an apartment in Somerville and I could afford like a town, two bedroom townhouse by myself. And I had one job and I wasn't going to school and I would come home from work and turn on the TV to like history channel and like weekday wings or something and fall asleep on the couch and lose like two or three hours. And it didn't matter because I didn't have to be anywhere. And it was yeah. just, man, I used to just 
fall asleep on the couch watching TV and I didn't have to do anything and I nobody was and looking. Now you're doing stuff. <laughs> um, so I gotta say, like you know, I like I said, I've listened to these these podcasts. I've been having conversations with you. You just haven't heard my end. I've been yelling at you. I've been cursing at you. I've been agreeing with you. I've been cheering you on. All of these things. Um, one thing that I I have noticed, you mentioned it a lot of times, not having a truck. Um, I understand you got the SUV. Again, unless it's changed in the last month or two, but I don't think it probably has. Uh, something I wanted to suggest is uh, to look into there's ja there's these, like Japanese trucks that are like three quarters truck bed and one quarter driving. Like I know I see them like on Facebook Marketplace here. There's one for sale for like seven grand that's got like 50,000 miles on it. Something like that seems like it would be a perfect farm truck for you because you can beat it up. It should just still go no matter what. You could, I, I believe they're road worthy. So you could take it down to the store and, you know, the Home Depot put that screen door on it or whatever because it's got a bed. It might extend, but you could just strap it down. Yeah. And, you know, you should be good to go. Um, but not obviously in the winter when it's all wet and stuff. But Well, they're, they're not like, I, I know what you're talking about. They're called, I think they're called K trucks. And the reason that they've gotten popular is in the United States, I, I can't remember the year, but there was legislation to make all the car manufacturers do better gas mileage. And there was a uh -huh. loophole that if you had a larger vehicle, it was exempt. So all yeah. of a sudden, everybody just started making giant pickup trucks, which is why you right. have these trucks that are not very useful, but they're gigantic. And you need like a ladder to step up into the bed. Whereas in the yeah. old days, a pickup truck was useful and you'd just walk right up to the bed and put things in the truck. And you didn't need like a ladder and a cherry picker to get in the back. But um, yeah. the, the K truck is, yeah, it's this little bitty thing. Uh, and I, I don't know if they're street legal in the United States. They, no, maybe is the wheel on the left side? I, I would have to look <laughs> into it. But people are buying it to yeah. drive around their farm. Mm. Right. They basically use it as a side-by-side. And it doesn't have the knobby tires. It's not four-wheel drive. It's, you need decent terrain for it. So we wouldn't be able to drive it in mud season. But in regular, like, summer weather, yeah. Yeah. And, and even if you just drive it down, it's like, I, I can get six bales of hay right now. I could probably get a lot more in a K-truck. Something to think about. But normally, when I've read about people buying these, they also have to pay for shipping from Japan. So I hadn't thought about them already being here and being in There is a guy... There's a guy here in Irmo who sells them as a as a as a daily job for him. He's got like a a parking lot full of them. Wow. So I mean, now you know how you get it from Irmo, South Carolina to Maine. I don't know, but if it is street legal, then you know it's just a matter of driving it off. Bud's Maine or South Carolina still. Oh, get my brother to drive <laughs> it and then fly him home. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would cost you like two hundred fifty bucks for a flight back. Big deal. Yeah, that's true. So, all right. So that's on the list too. We might do it. I've had my eyes on these, uh, these side-by-sides that He's obsessed. Yeah. They're like eight grand. Oh, I know. I hear. Oh yeah. But, yeah. I, but they're knobby. They got the knobby tires. They're four wheel drive. They got a winch on the front. I could, I don't know what I would use that for. Maybe, you know, if I got stuck in the mud, I could attach the winch and pull myself out. I've got like a solution looking for a problem. Like I want to use this winch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I could mount one in the front. Of the which which could be good for for dragging those those trees from the you know down the hill up to the oh it would you know, the, the greenhouse for it would but a yeah. K truck would also be good for that in the summer you and just drive it down. Would be good for that. 
Yeah, she wants to use the mini horses to haul things around. We'll have to build a wagon. So. That'll work too. So, but yeah, for, for those listening, uh, look up look up K Trucks. I'll get a link and I'll put it in the description. But especially if you've got a lot of land, uh, they're extremely useful. Yeah. But they're not off-road vehicles. They're meant to be like on the road. And they're just like little tiny pickup trucks that are designed to be useful rather than, you know, look at me, I've got a big giant truck. <laughs> Yep. Another suggestion that I've got, which again, take or leave it. I, I've heard that, you know, you guys, you definitely need some help for labor. Uh, and it's hard to find people to help on a farm. Have you looked at the 40 club in your local high school? <laughs> what? Anytime you want to come up. What? I'm sorry, I can't hear you breaking up. What? <laughs> So, so the 4-H club might be something to, to I suggest. You may have already looked into it. Not yet. I had to. So I'm going to take an actual mini vacation for Christmas. Of course her. Where the bakery will be put on pause and then I can focus on the farm. So I've got, vacation, stuff. I've got vacation between uh, <laughs> Christmas and New Year's. And I've informed her that she is also taking vacation between Christmas and New Year's. And she's not allowed to work. Well, it's not a real vacation. Yeah. It's a vacation from the bakery. So. Well, we still got to do the animals, yeah. but yeah. but yeah, we're right. not gonna deliver. We're not. You're not gonna have baked days. Yeah, none of that so. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, I mean, I'm going on vacation too. I'm going to Vegas, but that's something you guys will not want to do. So, um, but yeah, um, I, I was just thinking, like, if you got a high school kid who's into farming that way, maybe they're you know they want to come in and help out during summer days yeah. or something. I gotta reach out. And we're in Maine. Maine actually has college programs that focus on agricultural stuff. So if I can yep. get in touch with those people as well as ships yeah. or something. Like those are, yeah. interns, but I'm all for it because we're a nonprofit and that's what we're supposed to do. I just <laughs> I feel like we should pay them. Yep. But you know, but they'll get I, I feel like you can also pay them something. You don't have to not pay them, but you can you can also give them some baked goods or whatever. But goods, eggs. If well, I if they're, grow yeah. if they're college kids, they're getting college credits yeah. for what they're doing, and yeah, show them some stuff. They'll learn. I saw that this year, Four H had a, a some sort of regional meeting in Windsor. So okay. I know it's got to be sort of active somewhere around there. Yeah, the Windsor Fairgrounds. Oh, yeah. We're down the street from the Windsor Fair. When the fair is on, we hide in the house. It's yeah. just the traffic. Yeah. We drive the other direction because traffic's <laughs> going to be like crazy up near the fairgrounds. I can only imagine the traffic in rural Maine. Is <laughs> well, the, the, trouble is, the trouble is <laughs> you've got... Know how to drive in traffic is the problem. Right. You've got a bunch of people who are accustomed to being alone. And they're all shoved yeah. in the same place. And it's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> so yeah. kind of like if I'm driving through Boston, I I know that every person is an expert driver and they know where their bumpers are. And so yeah. I'm I'm actually honestly, I'm less afraid in the middle of Boston than I am driving in a crowded parking lot in Maine. <laughs> uh I got I got two more suggestions and then I, I promise I'll answer whatever questions you got. Um, one more would be like at the local VA. I know we, we talked on the board meeting about advertising that VA for uh, people to come to the farm for therapy or, you know, getting with the goats and that sort of thing. Yeah. You might also be able to find someone who's interested in working either for pay or even without pay just to be around the animals and hang out and that kind of thing. Yeah, I um, had my 
the one the other board member Dawn she's her I think her dad goes to the VA so she's been in contact with them so we'll reach out to them again and that's a good idea too so yeah this my um, vacation is what I'm gonna yeah. do and all the things you got a long list of things to take care of um <laughs> the the last suggestion may or may not even be a good one uh I know that I mentioned like I would come up and visit and you were like, oh, we got a room. You could hang out kind of thing, right? Have you considered doing an Airbnb kind of thing where you you do provide a breakfast for the person? They can come up and they can vacation there and give them a farm experience if they want to like see what working on a farm is like and pay you for it. Is that any people in our house? <laughs> yeah, it's like would be. It's yeah. between our friend in our house and yeah. people like, in our house. Yeah. We had thought about having like a kid come in and stay here and help us, but that would be like a long term thing. We right. Some this would be short term. Yeah. Yeah. Short term. I don't. I don't think. I don't know. I get weird. That's okay. Yeah. Like I said, it's just ideas, and that's that's the fun of them is I throw them out, and then oh yeah, you judge me on the best ones, not on the bad ones. There you go. Right. That's right. The bad ones are just connected from your memory <laughs> yeah. hold. There exactly. Was, there was a program <laughs> that one of the other farmers at, at one of our farmers markets uh, used where we were, she had, she had two young women who were working with her and they were just basically bouncing around from farm to farm. Yeah. But technically you have to be organic. So I got to see if like a nonprofit, if there's something equivalent to that. I don't know. But we know that that program exists. So now we can look for other yeah. smaller ones yeah. and they would basically stay with her on the farm and they get a stipend and they had a certain amount of work to do and they could you know live their life aside from that yeah they help yeah. a little bit for a couple hours on the farm help her with farmers markets and then just do whatever they needed to do so yeah basically their their version of Same like app board. it was their version of well that's what week i guess yeah <laughs> that that's how i did it in israel like i went on a i worked on a kibbutz for six months and i was living there and they housed me and they gave me a little stipend and fed me and and then you came back and you're like I'm never ever ever <laughs> doing construction or farming ever again. <laughs> that's right. It was it was a good way to learn what I don't like to do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> don't forget. Yeah, I got splinters <laughs> in my hands. Chickens pooed on me. People yelled at me. I don't know what they said, yeah. but it was bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm out of suggestions, but I'm absolutely happy to answer whatever questions, other questions you got, because I'm here. I got knowledge, ideas, whatever. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure our time is going to run out again. We have but, five minutes. Okay. But I'll definitely. Got more time if you need more time. I'd be emailing you. Unfortunately, my parents yeah. might be here soon. <laughs> sure. No Unfortunately, that they won't. Happy to come on again, too. If you got more questions in the future, we could do it, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Definitely, because yeah. we always need to interview people, because I'm sure people are sick of hearing the two of us banter back yeah. and forth. Yeah, I'll have you know. Okay, so I got to ask, there, how many listeners do you have? Including I, Ron and well, Sebastian, there's well, at least seven people. We got our neighbors <laughs> listen. We got Dawn. Uh -huh. We got a couple other people, like random people around the world, which is weird. But hey, we'll take it. We're yeah. so small. <laughs> I don't. I, I look at the analytics once in a while. It's currently yeah. a labor of love, but but uh, we'll I, get there. I'm gonna check them again. I'll check them today. Yeah. See what they are. Look, 
It's not much. Forget Brian. Kara. Kara. I know Brian. I've known Brian my whole life. He needs to talk to someone. He's stuck on the farm. He only has you to talk to and the ghosts. He needs this outlet. It's for his mental health. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> He's there'll be something talking to himself now. That's how bad it's gotten. Yeah. Well, I do, I do. There's a thing in, in web development called talking to the duck, where you you the, the idea is you take a rubber duck, you put it on your desk, and which you, we used to have yeah. until Aberdeen. You, you tell it the the problem you're having with your code and the the effort of putting your problem into words organizes your thoughts and a lot of times you solve the problem without bothering another person and culturally among web developers if you see someone talking to the duck you just you're cool about it right it's like you're not weird for talking to a rubber duck you're cool uh, and so I end up doing that to organize my thoughts around the farm or sometimes I corner Kara and I complain <laughs> about the code I'm writing and she'll just like nod yep. until I'm done and then <laughs> like all right thanks for listening <laughs> All right, so Kara, picture this. It's 1990. It's the middle of summer. I'm at a swim meet for my sister, who's like a you know a big time swimmer, and Brian has nothing better to do but to hang out with me while we're watching my sister swim. And so he corners. This is 1990. This is before all the Marvel movies and everything. He corners this hot 30 something mom and starts talking to her all about the Avengers and X-Men and Spider-Man and her eyes are just blazing over. She doesn't know who she's, who he's talking about, but he's just very animated and excited. It keeps her there for about 15 minutes. So I walk up, I'm like, hey, Brian, I need you over here for me. <laughs> yeah, he does that still to people. <laughs> well, not for that long, but yeah, no. yeah. Well, that that's but also at least now people know what those comic book characters are. Oh. We were the original crop of nerds before the internet. Yeah. Back, absolutely back when it wasn't cool like now it's all mainstream <laughs> now if i start talking about that stuff like half of the kids know like i haven't read the actual comic books in quite a while and yeah. I, I, i'm on tiktok and some kid will start talking about like the things going on with iron man recently and i'm like what wait what i don't remember this none of it is i'm so out of touch like since since the rod lifefield days in the in the topic yeah. days <laughs> you know but i try to keep up yeah, so well I, I i also i have to say I, I i really appreciate how far the podcast has come um but i did notice in the first few episodes kara was very at the end of the sign off very thank you for listening it's great i love you know, love listening to us and now it's all just bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> you're right <laughs> if i didn't do that he keep talking <laughs> so. yep it's like a it's like a command <laughs> yeah <laughs> so just gotta walk away i'm like you know yep yeah i just I hear the bye and then the ducks and it's time for a new episode yeah we fell into a pattern that seems to work and every episode i try to look for something like some clip that is funny that i could use in the intro Oh, I love it. I think it's a great format. I love, I fall asleep listening to you guys. And then the next morning I have to go back and figure out where I actually drifted off and don't remember. Well, I'm so glad we put you to sleep. So, so we yeah. should close up because less than a minute. So Ron, yep. thanks for coming. We're going to do this again. Yes. And My I'll pleasure. You. And yeah. so for everyone else, have a good, whatever you're doing. Bye. Bye. <laughs>